Good morning, and uh, it's great to be with you today. Uh, I, uh, I'm not up here all that much, so it's good to, good to be up here with you, good to um, jump into this series, and I just want to welcome you wherever you're at, if you're joining us online, also welcome. We're glad that you are here, and, and this series has, uh, it's, it's been a good series so far. I think it's going to continue to be a good one, and I think it's very timely. Uh, like Madison just kind of touched on in his prayer, we're looking at the story of Exodus. We're looking at God's commandment to let His people go. And right now, if if you uh, if you you know this because you have friends, you have family, you have coworkers, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, there's a lot of stuff keeping people down. And so our, our hope is that through this series, you're encouraged and that we can apply some of what we learn uh, through this story and, and things that we see about God and apply it to our own lives. And so we've been looking at the, the exodus, as Madison touched on a couple of weeks ago, the great movement of the people of Israel. Uh, and so the Israelites, they, we know that they were in captivity, and we also know that they were God's chosen people. God had set them apart, and he, he loved them. He had a plan for them, and he saw that his people were, were, they were in bondage. And um, I love that we don't even have to really guess, um, but we know that that was not God's plan for them. Where they were at in Egypt was not God's plan for them, and that begins our story. And so today we're going to kind of take a, a higher view of this story and, and look at a couple things that I think God has shown me throughout um, looking at this story, and, and I hope that you're encouraged um, as well. But the place of bondage, the place of frustration, the place of hope, hopelessness, the situation that you brought with you this morning— I can confidently tell you that that is not God's plan for your life. That's not God's plan for your life because I can say that because of what we know of God. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit here later. But God does not desire us to uh, exist in a place of hopelessness. He does not desire for us to stay in a place of bondage. That's why he called his people out from that. And so I want to encourage you today, all of, all of the stuff that happened this week, whether it's at work or at home or with friends or with the kids, know that God's desire is to bring you from that point into all that he has for you. And there's a process to that. And that's kind of what we're looking at here this morning. So we've been looking at the book of Exodus and, and God uses Moses to call his people out of Egypt. And I realized before I get too far that comparing ourselves to the people of Israel isn't always super encouraging because um, there were times where they were really stupid, okay? Um, but I'm willing to admit that there are times that I am really stupid and I make decisions that, that uh, redirect me from following God's plan to, to being on a detour of my own making. And so we're gonna kind of compare some of what we go through um, and some of what they, they experience because we're human and we, we go through much the same. So there's three, three things I wanna touch on this morning. The first is the promise. God made a promise to the Israelites. In fact, he made several promises to them, but as it pertains to the, the story that we're looking at here in Exodus, there, there are some specific things that God had committed to his people. 
He had seen that his people had been oppressed. They'd been in slavery for over 400 years, and uh, he laid it out very simply to them. So I want to start in the first half of Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 8. He says, So I have come down to rescue them from, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then in Exodus 6, verse 1, it says, the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God answers a couple questions right off the bat before they even have the chance to ask them. He says, this is what I'm gonna do and this is how it's going to happen, right? Um, I think God preemptively knew that if he said, you know what, I'm going to deliver you from Egypt, the next question would be, well, how, right? So he, he kind of cuts to the point and he, he provides the answer. The promise was pretty cut and dry. It was simple in nature. Freedom was God's intention for, for his people. There's, uh, in Exodus, it says that they may be free to worship me, meaning God. That was the intention was so that they could have that freedom, Abundance was the end goal. That was his promise. Straight and easy. And then he even told them how it was going to happen. So then we look at ourselves and we look at what are God's promises to us. And, and scripture is full of promises that God makes to us as Christ followers, as his creation, as people who have looked to him for, for our hope. We know that he wants to give us a hope and a future, like he says in Jeremiah. He wants to give us plans. Earlier this month, Madison said that God, I love this, God has a promised land for you. There's a place that he has set aside for you. You're not there yet. I can promise you that. It's a pretty safe assumption. You're not there yet, but God has it in store for you. And there's things that have to happen in order for us to get to that point. And here's the thing, and this is, uh, maybe this only meant something for me, but God's plans for you are always better than your own plans for you. And, and I like to, that's hard for me to comprehend because sometimes when it comes to dreams or daydreaming, I can be pretty creative. And so it's hard for me to see how God can top what I think is best for me in my life. Um, but that's part of being a Christ follower is we have to get to a point where we, we trust him that, that he knows um, what's better for us than we may even know um, would be good for ourselves. His promises are what we need to get us through those difficult times because they don't come back empty. They come back fulfilled and he is the same then as he is now. Romans eight twenty eight says, and, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I've used this scripture before and kind of reworded it. Um, I don't suggest doing that and like claiming it to be an own, your own thought, um, you know, because scripture is inherent in God's word. But I think we can translate it a little bit differently and, and look at that and say that in the middle of the desert that you kind of are in the, in the midst of, God is at work on your behalf. In the middle of that job loss, God is working. If we're trusting him, he has a plan. In the middle of that divorce. God has something for you. In the middle of that diagnosis, God is still at work, even when it can be hard to see it. And so the other thing that really sticks out to me is the promise that God has for us. If it's always going to be better than we can hope for, it's always going to be for our benefit. God never promises that he's going to hurt us. 
God never promises that he's gonna um, do things that aren't for our benefit. Now, sometimes if we're being punished or we're going through a, a time where we're, we're being stretched, it sort of seems like, man, God's kind of being mean to me right now. But um, we don't see that. God always has our best interest in his mind. The title of the series is Let My People Go. And we see that God tells Moses, he says, Moses, you need to go to Pharaoh and you need to tell him to let my people go. And the thing that I love about that statement is that statement is it's originating with God. God is telling Pharaoh to let his people go, but Moses can echo that statement because the people of Israel are his people. And maybe that wasn't something that he would have told Pharaoh in the first place on his own without God directing him to, but the desires of his heart are echoed by what God tells him to do. Now, I'm not saying that the, that God's going to tell you to you know, go up to your boss and say, you need to let my paycheck go and um, you know, let's see some increase. Like, I'm not saying that, but God, what he wants for us will be for our benefit and it will, it will complement, it will be in line with ultimately what we desire in our own lives. It lined up with what he had wanted and what he hoped for in his own life. The promises of God, they're abundant throughout scripture. He promises us peace, wisdom, full life, salvation, hope, all of these things, but they take action steps, right? A number of those, they take action steps. He promises us salvation, but we first have to open up our hearts to him. He promises us wisdom, but he says that we must first ask and he will give it to us. So we have a role to play in, in those promises that he has made to us. Um, and there's times in our lives that we are much like um, toddlers, you know, um, we expect that those will come fast, they'll come easy, they'll be exactly what we think they should be. Um, right now with Levi, Levi's two and a half, and, and I can't tell him, um, we'll go outside later because he'll wanna go outside right now, right? He, he sees it in the moment and he wants that to happen. So for him, I have to say, okay, Levi, first we're gonna eat lunch and then next you're gonna take a nap and then once you are less cranky, then we'll go outside. He has to be given a list of uh, an order to expect. And sometimes we need to be reminded of those things because when we hear these promises of God that he has wisdom for us, uh, hope, all these things, we think that it's instantaneous. And there are times that it is, but there's also time where there's a, a, a process that we have to go through. See, the promise that God should be at work on our behalf, that's what he says. He said he'll be at work at our, on our behalf, but he doesn't say it'll be easy. He doesn't say, you know what, once you ask for, for my help, once you rely on me, everything's perfect, right? He doesn't do that. It'd be nice, but uh, that's just not how it operates. A couple weeks ago, um, kind of getting back to the promises, Pastor Kevin, uh, he, he referenced the, the idea of ice cream a couple times, and, and if you say ice cream to a child, they think it's a done deal, you are sworn to an oath, and that has to, has to happen. Now, I interpret that, that sort of conversation a little bit differently because when I was growing up, we went to out for ice cream as a family, um, but there's only two times that really stick out in my mind um, about a time that we went out as a family for ice cream. The first was, I can't remember if I was in second grade or sometime around there. 
And we were all excited. It was me and my sister, Rebecca, and um, go out to ice cream. And that's when my parents told us that we were moving halfway across the country. Uh, surprise ruined. Um, so the second time that sticks in my mind was uh, later on in life. I was, I was about 15. And um, they said, hey, you know what? We should, let's, let's all go out for ice cream. Again, it was me and my sister. And because um, I can't take anything serious, I had to make a joke. And knowing that the last time that stuck in my mind, there was kind of an alternative motive. From the back seat, I jokingly said, ha mom's pregnant, isn't she? <laughs> Their heads snapped so fast around, and that's when we realized that Isaac was on the way. So I have some trust issues when it comes to <laughs> ice cream um, and going out for ice cream. Because ultimately, it wasn't what I was promised. Like, I was promised ice cream, you know. Um, but there's times where the promises don't look like we think they should, right? We have that plan in our mind of how God should answer our prayer, how God should work in that situation. And, and it doesn't always turn out to be that way. And it's easy to compare this as parents because um, our kids, they can't always comprehend the why. They just, they know what they want and they don't understand that, that having ice cream right before bed or having, uh, you know, cake or something, you know, like they don't understand the reasoning behind it. They don't understand that our actions are in love and that there's times that we have to learn what is best. And that happens for us as well. The, and, and the thing I want to point out, going back to the people of Israel, they pro, God promised them freedom. And we see throughout their story that they were, they were chased by Pharaoh, they crossed the Red Sea, then they, then they wandered the desert, like all these things. But the promise that God made to them never changed, even when their circumstance did, right? The promise that God had made them from day one never altered, even when they were standing in front of a body of water with an army behind them that wanted to kill them. God never changed, even when their circumstances did. His promise to free them from Pharaoh was just as valid while they were still in slavery as it was while they were crossing the Red Sea, just as it was when they were in the middle of the desert. So no matter the situation that you find yourself in today, no matter how barren it might, may feel, no matter how discouraging it may be, no matter how alone you may feel in that moment, God's promises to you have not changed in that time. Sometimes it's harder to see or remember those promises, but God has not changed what he wants to do in your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to bring you to a place of health. He wants to ultimately and most importantly draw you to himself. Those things are still in play. So no matter what that desert is, it could be that job or an addiction or a relationship or a, a place of hopelessness, he still has a plan. And he, Really, we're still in the process. So number two, I want to look at the process very quickly. Um, some of you are familiar with the phrase, trust the process. Um, I'm most familiar with it um, from sports. And usually when you hear trust the process in sports, it means we stink. <laughs> but there might be a plan, you know. Um, so that's not what I'm talking about. But the process is it's part of our journey. It's part of taking a promise that God has made to us 
And, and most of us right now, we're in that process because that promise maybe hasn't come to fruition. We can be guilty of looking at our situation and assuming that where we are right now, God is not at work. I've been guilty of that. Or you're praying for something, you're praying for something, you, you need God to do a miracle and you feel like you're literally in a desert using you know, the story. And so that's kind of what I want, I want to point your attention to. Because that resolution hasn't yet come, it can be easy to feel like we're being ignored. And ultimately that's what Satan wants us to feel. He wants us to feel alone. But here's the thing, the process that we go on from God's promise to seeing that come to pass, that process is what allows God to show us who he actually is. The process allows him to show us that he is in fact God. Because if you think about the timeline of the Israelites from when God said, I'm going to deliver you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you to the promised land, and between then and the time that they actually got there, there was a lot of stuff that took place. And there was a lot of circumstances that God showed them that he was more than capable of delivering on what he promised. They witnessed the 10 plagues that fell on Egypt that they were spared from. They witnessed literally the parting of the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. They witnessed um, God sending manna from heaven to feed them when they had no food. They witnessed the pillar of fire that, and cloud that went before them and lit their way. They, they witnessed the walls of Jericho fall. Like They saw all of these things, yet they were still focused on the fact that they weren't there yet. They started, they literally, I love scripture, it talks about, they literally started to wish that they were still in captivity when they weren't. Think about that. Maybe that's where Stockholm Syndrome came from. Is that, that, I think that's the term. Like they, they were wishing they were still in Egypt when God had taken them out of Egypt. They literally told Moses, they said, great, you just brought us someplace else to die. Why don't we stay there? And at least we could have eaten. They were so skeptical of what was going on because they were forgetting what God had done. It was, it's kind of, it was kind of, it made me think of the, are we there yet? You know, um, Levi has not started asking that, so I'm dreading the day that he does. But when I think of the Israelites and I look at some of what God did and then some of the questions and the way they moaned and complained and all these things, it's like there were two million six-year-olds, you know, that were just focused on what they thought they needed and they couldn't identify what actually was taking place around them. The fact that every single day they were in the midst of a miracle, but it wasn't the way they wanted it to look, so they missed the point. I don't know about you if you've ever given up on something before you've even started, but that's kind of feels like how they were. Like my resolution is to never make a resolution, you know, that sort of deal. Like they, they gave up before they even had a chance to see God at work. They wished for the good old days of slavery before they were even out of it. So the thing I want to point to is that in the midst of the desert, in the midst of the most discouraging points of our lives, in the midst of that situation that you brought with you this morning, God is reminding us that he's still with us. God is reminding us that he has promised better for us. God is reminding us that he is still God in the midst of that situation. Exodus 14, 13 and 14 says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. They're standing at the Red Sea when he says this, basically. 
Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will ne- you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God promises to fight on our behalf. God promises to deliver us when we are caught between uh, you know, a rock and a hard place or a Red Sea and some, whatever it is, God is there with us fighting on our behalf. And that promise had already been fulfilled when they, when they left Egypt, when they witnessed those plagues, when God provided for them. It had already been fulfilled and they already forgot about it because there was a new problem in front of them. And I'm just gonna let you in on a little life secret. This took me a long time to figure out, okay? I'm 30 something old. I can never remember how old I am. Um, when you come through one desert, there's another one, right? There's, there's another job issue. There's another relationship problem. There's, and part of that is sin at work in our, in our world, right? And so there's not, there's not a finality to that, but God promises that he's with us the entire time. And, and his promises are, are beyond just here on earth. And so um, that promise for them had, always, it had already been fulfilled, but they forgot about it. They forgot that God was referred to as Jehovah Jireh, being enough, more than enough, forever enough. He had already done it more than once, but here they were looking at some water and they didn't think he could do it again. He, they, they were short-sighted. They didn't think he could do it again. They couldn't see what God had already done because they were too busy looking at what was in front of them. It was like God brought them over this giant mountain and now they're standing in front of a little hill and they're like, no, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. God literally took them out of slavery and they, were, they found themselves at a point of saying, you know, I, I think that's it, that's it, we're, we're, we're done for. And so I, want, I bring that up because I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge myself when we're in that desert and it feels like there's no hope, it feels like we're lost, it feels like God maybe abandoned us, sometimes we have to look backwards. Sometimes we have to look around us to see what God brought us through and see what he's doing at the same time. And I think that we can see what happens when you're narrow-sighted, when you're narrow-minded in that sense. So my question to you today is how has God shown himself in the midst of your desert? How has he shown his power? How has he continued to deliver on those promises to you in the midst of that situation that only you know the details, only you know um, what's at stake, only you know what God, you're hoping for God to do? Where else is he at work? Because those things, eventually those dots can start to connect. And eventually something that you thought didn't have anything to do with that desert you were in actually really did. And God was paving the way for a miracle in your life. See, they wound up wandering the wilderness because they were more focused on what was in front of them than they were remembering the promise that God had made and what he had done to get them to that place. They were literally on the doorstep of their promise. And they said, you know what? I'm, that, those people over there, they're, they're kind of scary. Let's, that, God, that's not, the right, that's not the right place for us. They, they put themselves on a detour because of that decision. And I don't know about you guys, maybe it's just me, but I don't respond well to detours. You know, when you've driven someplace 
30 times, you know, b- between here and Gray- Green Bay, say, and you're, you know, you know the route. You could probably do it with your eyes closed, although I wouldn't suggest doing that. And then all of a sudden, there was one, one time, I think it was, I don't remember if it was Pesh to go or something like that, where all of a sudden there's a detour and you, and you kind of just freeze because you know that's not the way you're supposed to go, but you're being directed that way. So when we, fi- when we find ourselves on detours, it gets sort of confusing. We get sort of frozen at times um, because we think we know the route. And sometimes the detours in life that we find ourselves on are our own making. The Israelites, they wandered the desert because of decisions that they made, because they gave into fear and they weren't willing in that moment to continue to trust what God had promised them and where God was leading them and how he had been at work in their circumstance. They were standing in front of God of that promise in Numbers chapter 14 and they still gave into fear. They forgot it all. So I have kind of just four little thoughts here to conclude that that point of the process because there's the process sometimes seems like it takes our whole life, but there's some things that I think we can look at that will help us. So the first one is sometimes, I just mentioned it, sometimes we're in the desert because we put ourselves there. I think we're quick to blame other people, but ultimately um, there's times where we, we land in those places because of choices we made. Now there's other times we're in that desert because of choices others have made. So it's not just a one or the other, but we have to understand why we are where we are. The second thing I want to remind you of and encourage you with is that God does not allow us to stay in the desert forever. He doesn't cause us to go there. He doesn't send us there to teach us a lesson but he also doesn't let us stay there forever. He brings us out of it. And I like to picture God walking alongside the, the Israelites through all that time, literally, come on guys, let's go, come on guys, let's go. And, and their, their humanity at times just got the better of them and, and they weren't following what he had for them. Obedience is the action step and faith is required. Ultimately, we have to trust God and we have to follow him in the way that he's leading us. Thirdly, the process is how the promise comes to be reality. God makes us a a promise of hope and joy and peace and all these things. Well, we wouldn't need those things if everything in life was perfect, right? But it's because of that process that we need the promise. And so they go hand in hand. And fourth, um, the last thing is sometimes the desert is where God does the work in us. He doesn't send us there but he works with us there. I, I don't know if, again, if it's just me, but there's times in my life where I've been able to identify that I have not spent enough time with God because all of a sudden something, everything is going terrible just out of nowhere. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm too slow to realize it was going terrible for a while. And in that moment in your prayer, it turns to simply asking for things. God, I need you to do this. I need you to fix this problem that I have. I need you to um, help me here, whatever it is. And, um, it becomes only on what God can do for us rather than our prayers being honoring God, thanking God for what he's done, exalting him, all of those things. So we're naturally inclined that when we're in a place of difficulty, our first thought hopefully is to go to God, which is what he wants us to do. He wants us to do. So we're inclined to do that. And sometimes that desert is where God does the work in us. So finally, the, the final point, and it's, it's a short one. Um, we talked about the promises. We talked about the, the process. And the third is the payoff. 
right? Because if God promises us something and then we go through a process, eventually there will be a payoff. And this is where it gets tricky because we think the payoff is, is the one solution. You know, I think that what the Israelites thought was that the promised land was, was the only goal that they had as, as a people. But really, um, God delivered them so that they could be closer to him. That was the whole purpose. And so as they go, the payoff for them was the promised land. But for us, the payoff isn't a day where all of a sudden all of our problems go away. It isn't a time where everything is the way that we think that it should be. It isn't a conclusion to that, that uh, desert situation. In fact, um, like I said earlier, the desert just, uh, when the desert comes to a conclusion, it makes room for another one. And so for God, the payoff for us that he desires for us is to continue to walk with him in the midst of that desert, to not do it on our own, to not get to a point where we feel like we've been abandoned because he's walking there with us. And I believe that, that really that's what God wants for us out of these times of heartbreak and brokenness and bondage and, and, and questioning just where God is. He wants us to get to a point that we are relying on him every single day, every single moment of the day. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That payoff is for us to walk with Jesus and to experience more of him. And I understand that that's hard to, to grasp. It's hard for me to apply it to my own life at times, but God is not looking at our life um, linear in the sense of life and death because he's concerned about eternity right and so the payoff that god desires for us is that we are in right relationship with him that one day when we leave this earth we spend eternity with him and so he wants us as christ followers to get to a point where where we rely on him to bring us through isaiah 40 31 says but those who hope in the lord will renew their uh, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Life is tiring. That desert seems like it goes on forever. That, that relationship, it, it seems like it, it just won't resolve itself. It's exhausting. And, and scripture promises us that God is with us. And then another thing that you need to remember is that, that there's other people who want to, to walk alongside of you as well in those times. The Israelites weren't alone, but sometimes it sounded like they acted as one. If one complained, it sure seemed like they all complained. But God gives us relationships so that we can walk through life alongside one another and that we don't have to do it on our own. The other day when I was kind of wrapping up some thoughts for this morning. I just had some worship music playing in the background and just a, a playlist that I found and hit play. I didn't put it together, but it was, it was like every song was talking about um, taking us out of Egypt, delivering us out of the desert, like all, every single one of them. And so maybe it was just for me, but I really felt like, like it, it was confirmation that this series is, is something that, that God has for us. 
and, and that the week of prayer, what I'm hoping is as you join us, I'm hoping that, that God does some miraculous things in our lives because we know that his promises are for good. And I believe that the closer we are in conjunction with him, the more and more we see those promises come to pass. And that's his goal. He wants to walk alongside of us. He doesn't want us to be alone. And so I just, as I close, um, and I'm gonna pray here in just a moment, but one of the songs that popped on while I was just kind of reflecting and praying um, had some, some lyrics and, and I'm just gonna kind of read them. It says, when the road runs dead, you can see a way I don't. And when it makes no sense, you say that's what faith is for. When I see a flood, you see a promise. When I see a grave, you see a door. And when I'm at my end, you see where the future starts. I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. That's the heart that, that ultimately I want to have. And what I would pray for on your behalf is that when we can't see that way, when we're at the end of our, our human ability, that that can be the words that we say. I don't know what's next, but I know you do. And so I'm going to, I'm gonna walk right beside you and I'm gonna follow where you're leading. So you might be at the end, you might be at the end of what you need, you, you can do, you know, in your own power. You may not know how God could even make a way. And so what I wanna encourage you today, whatever that situation is, whether it's your finances or your marriage or uh, a relationship with someone in your family, first seek God and second, take a step. Because when we take a step, that's, that's faith in action. When we follow God, when we follow his direction in a way that maybe we wouldn't land on our, on our own, that's faith in action. Look for God at work in your life. So I would just invite you to bow your heads with me online. I would encourage you to join us as, as we pray. And well, my hope and prayer is for you today is that you can leave this place and start to, start to look around. Start to look for God at work in your life. Start to look for people that he put in your life, uh, maybe, maybe the errands of your life to walk alongside of you, to support you and love you and um, redirect you maybe at times. Look for the promises that you know God has spoken to you that you haven't yet seen come to pass. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna ask for God to work in those situations. I want God to be at work in your lives. And I want, I want you to rely on him to meet your needs. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, Pastor Ben, I, there's a situation that I can't, there's nothing I can do. I, I, I don't have the ability to fix it. I don't, have, I don't have the answers, but I know that without God, there will not be a resolution. There will not be an overcoming of the bondage or, or, or a restoration of the relationship. If that's you this morning, um, with, your, with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, uh, would you just raise your hand? I just wanna, I wanna pray for you. If there's, if there's a desert that you're in right now that you can't see the end, Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you that the experience that you took the people of Israel through so many years ago, it can still be applied to our lives today. It can still challenge us. It can still remind us of who you are. And God, I thank you that throughout that story, you never once abandoned them. You never left them or forsake them. There were consequences for actions along the way, God, but your, your promise to them never changed. And, and Lord, I pray for each and every person within the sound of my voice here today. I pray that they would be reminded that the promises that you have for them will never, sh- they'll, they'll never stop, they'll never change, they'll never waver. God, that promise to restore a relationship or, or to, to um, allow them to experience forgiveness or wholeness or freedom from an addiction, God, that, that, that promise is just as true in the midst of that desert as it is afterwards. And Lord, I pray that your people would turn to you, that they would see how you are at work around them, that they would see and be reminded that you are God, that we would take opportunities to turn towards you, to to, um, have you be our strength. And Lord, as we move, as we continue through this series, as we go through the week of prayer, Lord, on 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 behalf of your people, I ask for miraculous things to happen. I ask for that desert to be resolved. I ask for faith to be built up in in the hearts and and lives of of Silver Creek Church. I ask for your power to be on display as it was with the Israelites. Lord, I thank you for the promises that you have in your word. And I thank you for how much you love each and every one of us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We're going to... I wanna conclude a little bit different this morning. Um, if there's a way that we can be praying for you, if there's a, a desert, uh, a situation that you find yourself in that you just could use some encouragement, I would invite you to, to come find uh, myself or Pastor Kevin or anyone else who's kind of around, Gail is here, um, and we would love to, we'd love to pray with you. Um, it, this will be our formal dismissal, but if, if, you, if you just need some encouragement, we would love for the opportunity to encourage you this morning and to come alongside of you. Um, so we're just gonna kind of stay in, in kind of a, a quiet atmosphere. If you need to go, please, please do so. It's been great to be worshiping with you today. We're glad you're here, but if you could use some prayer this morning, I would invite you to come. Um, we would love to just connect with you. Um, here in this moment as we conclude. Thank you uh, and God bless.